0: From the History Yogi Podcast, this is Dave. Looking at Singapore's football scene today, it is hard to imagine that we once enjoyed a golden age in football. But we did enjoy that golden age. The man often credited for nurturing it is Chu Sing Kui. Also known as Uncle Chu, he coached the Singapore national team to victory at the iconic 1977 Malaysia Cup final. Today, we speak to Renal Pereira, author of a new book on Uncle Chu, about the legendary coach's philosophy and how he shaped some of Singapore's best football players. Thanks very much, Ray, for joining me today. To start off, what prompted you to research the life of Uncle Chu and what sources did you depend on?
1: Well, Dave, I've, in fact, always been uh, intrigued by the name Chu Seng Hui or Uncle Chu, as uh, many people would know him for as far as I can remember. <laughs> I, I had a cousin, uh, Jerome Vass, who together with some other boys trained under him in Farrow Park. I think it was around 74, 1974 or 1975. And uh, my cousin, yeah, he just kept talking about this larger-than-life figure And I was always just curious to like know, you know, who is this guy? (laughs) And of course, you know, everyone in Singapore sort of came to know him, you know, when he coached the Singapore team in 1977, leading them to the final and victory in the Malaysia Cup, as well as also the final of the 1977 uh, pre-World Cup qualifying competition. So about... Six or seven years ago, I started to think about writing a book about Uncle Chu. I was actually a little surprised that no one had uh, thought of doing uh, such a book uh, earlier. Uh, how come? But uh, so I decided to um, go ahead. And um, most of my research uh, materials, in fact, came from the Internet, especially the newspaper um, sg website. This, uh, this site, in fact, uh, has all the newspaper archives, and um, so a lot of my research material actually came from that website. In addition, I was also uh, fortunate to have actually the opportunity to meet uh, uh, many ex-national players and you know, talk to them about their experiences uh, training under Uncle Chu. And for this, in fact, uh, I have to uh, just uh, thank uh, two ex-players, Lim Tianjit and Kwa Kim Song for introducing me to many of the other ex-national players that I interviewed.
0: Now let's go to the very beginning. How did football as a sport begin in Singapore?
1: Association football, uh, you know, as how it is uh, played and known today, was, in fact, introduced to Singapore in 1889. Though, in fact, there is actually a report in the Straits Times which stated that it was actually introduced a year earlier. But uh, officially, the sources point to 1889. According to the book, 100 Years of Singapore, uh, this book was uh, published in 1929. In this book, it's... That the first football match uh, following association football rules was played in 1889 on a ground in Tank Road between uh, two teams of uh, British engineers. And then, yeah, the game sort of became uh, very popular in Singapore. And uh, in fact, the Singapore Football Association, which is actually the predecessor to FAS, was founded in 1892. The SFA, Simple Football Association, is in fact the oldest uh, football association in Asia. So what happened was, uh, of course, the initial few years saw the game being played mainly by the expatriate community, mainly the Europeans. And what happened was a challenge Cup competition was organized in 1892. And the first Singapore Football League was started in 1904. The local community especially the the Chinese and the Malays took a liking for the game almost immediately uh, when football was introduced. And uh, 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 non-European teams, uh, in fact, started to appear. The Straits uh, Chinese uh, National Football Club was formed in 1891, while the um, Darul Adab Club, which actually catered mainly for the, the Malay Muslim community, was formed in 1893 but it was actually still the european teams which dominated the league and cup competitions and that uh, dominance uh, was actually only broken in 1925 when the straits chinese football association won both the league and cup competitions and then what happened was uh, to cater for the growing popularity of the game amongst the locals as well as the Europeans. The Malaya Cup competition, which is now uh, called the Malaysia Cup, but yeah, the Malaya Cup competition was introduced in 1921. Uh, This competition, in fact, um, gave the opportunity for the Singapore team to pit their skills against teams in Malaya. From 1921 until just before the Second World War, both uh, Singapore and Selangor were the teams uh, which dominated the competition. In fact, Singapore actually appeared in every final before World War II.
0: How did Uncle Chu make his debut in Singapore football?
1: We don't know actually which uh, when actually Uncle Chu started playing football. But, uh, and in fact, we know that uh, initially his family actually uh, wanted him to actually uh, to play the violin. So he was actually up to the age of 16, he was actually taking violin classes. But somehow I think uh, football must have been something that he was actually more interested in. And uh, his first game for his school, Raffles Institution was in 1930. So in 1930, he actually represented the uh, um, RI. And already by 1933, he was, uh, in fact, selected by the Singapore uh, Straits uh, Chinese Football Association third team. So he actually represented the uh, SCFA, uh, as the uh, Swiss Chinese Football Association was known, in 1933. And by 1935, he was already in the first uh, team, playing in the first division. Um, and Senkyu was, in fact, uh, quite fortunate to have a gentleman called Pop Lim Yong Yang as a mentor. Uh, Pop Lim was actually a Singapore footballer who also late, later became the Singapore coach. And uh, in his later years, he was actually also in the FAS committee. He discovered uh, Uncle Chu and actually took him under his wings when he was in RI. Uncle Chu, in fact, also said that he was also heavily influenced by this Chinese player called Li Wai Tong who is, in fact, uh, acknowledged as the greatest ever Chinese footballer. So somehow, uh, Lee Wai was sort of an idol for Uncle Chu. And uh, um, Uncle Chu's performances, impressive performances in uh, for SCFA, eventually uh, led to a call-up to represent uh, Singapore in 1936. And with St. Kui the team, uh, Singapore, in fact... Uh, won the Malaya Cup in 1937 and 1939. His performances also actually impressed the Chinese uh, national team selection uh, selectors uh, because back then, the Chinese national team could actually take players of uh, Chinese origin from Singapore, Malaya back then, and Hong Kong to represent China so the Chinese national team, actually, and uh, Seng Kui, in fact, uh, he was actually selected to represent China at the 1940 Olympic Games, which was scheduled to be held in Helsinki. Sadly, of course, <laughs> World War II uh, meant that the Games were cancelled. And in fact, with that, uh, that sort of put an end saint uh promising uh, football career. He was only around I think uh, 25 or 26 when World War II actually started. After the Second World War, Uncle
0: Chu switched to being a coach instead. In 1961 he went to the UK for a six-month trip. What did he do during this visit and what did he learn? Uh,
1: so in fact Uncle Chu's career as a coach, in fact, started before the war. He actually formed a club uh, called Chinese Athletic in 1939. And in fact, he was actually the player come coach Uh, And maybe he he must have already started making uh, plans for his uh, so-called post-football-playing career. After the war, he did still continue uh, as a player, but he finally made the switch to become a full-time coach in 1949. He acted as a coach for Chinese Athletic uh, as well as several other clubs. So in addition to Chinese Athletic, he was also the coach of some other um, local football clubs. He was then, in fact, asked to become the singapore uh, national coach in 1949 in mid 1949 and uh, he was actually only uh, 34 years old at that uh, at that time he led the singapore national team to the semi-finals of the malaya cup in 1949 but after the defeat he was actually asked to step down as a coach. So, in fact, the stint actually uh, lasted just for a few months. But, in fact, that time spent as a national coach in Singapore was sufficient time for the nations actually, because the nations were actually looking for a coach. And, in fact, they appointed him as a national coach in 1950 <laughs> And uh, he was actually their coach uh, from 1950 to 1953. Though he actually did not achieve anything major with the Indonesian team, the bulk of the players that he coached went on to actually represent uh, Indonesia in the 1956 Olympic Games. And then, in fact, came the Malaysian team who actually appointed Uncle as a coach in 1958. In Malaysia, Uncle actually had the backing of uh, Tunku Abdul Rahman. And Tunku Abdul Rahman was also actually the president of the Football Association of uh, Malaya, then FAM. Tunku sort of identified Uncle's uh, immense uh, coaching skills, and he did everything he could to keep Uncle as a Malaysian coach, and this, in fact, included sending Uncle on a six-month attachment to the UK in 1961 to enhance his coaching abilities. While he was actually in the UK, he was actually attached to three first division clubs. So imagine a Singapore coach today being, you know, sent uh, to. So in fact, he was actually sent uh, to Burnley. Who were back then the uh, first division uh, champions, Everton and uh, Sheffield United. While he was there, he actually had the opportunity to watch these teams actually train, and in fact, with Burnley, he managed to actually watch twenty of their football matches, both home and away. So I can imagine that <laughs> it must have been a a great experience for him, you know, to. You know, have the opportunity to watch first division football in the UK. And in fact, the English were actually quite immense, impressed, sorry, by uh, uncle's uh, knowledge, immense knowledge and understanding of the game. Um, according to uh, N. Ganison, N. Ganison used to be the former chairman of FAS. Sinkui, he was always actually doing whatever he can to learn more about the game. He read widely, and according to uh, Ganesan, he also kept a scrapbook of uh, newspaper cuttings of articles about football tactics. So I think uh, from his trip to the UK, he must have acquired a lot of knowledge uh, watching these first division matches and uh, you know talking to coaches, uh, talking to players involved in the game in the UK.
0: It was in Farrah Park where Uncle Chu spotted and trained many of Singapore's greatest football players. Um, Who were some of these players and what did he prioritise in his selection?
1: Okay, uh, of course, uh, we know that uh, Uncle uh, Uncle Chu is uh, synonymous uh, with Farrar Park. Uh, He lived quite close to Farrar Park and also had a spot shop in Owen Road, which was uh, just beside uh, Farrar Park. So, in fact, uh, Uncle, he... He actually spent a lot of time uh, hanging around Farrah Park. There were some, you know, there were some uh, Sarabat stores uh, lining the park. Uh, and sometimes Uncle just used to sit there uh, observing boys playing, actually. Many uh, ex-national players, in fact, said that they were actually discovered by St. Queen in, in, uh, at Farrah Park. And these included players like uh, Kwak Kim Song, uh, Dola Kasim, uh, Lim Teng Sai, R. Surya Murthy, and ma- many others. Surya Murthy, in fact, uh, I had the chance to speak to him, and he told me that Uncle discovered him at the age of 12, when he was only actually 12 years old. And what Uncle used to do was Uncle used to just uh, make Surya juggle the ball for like two hours uh, a day, while Uncle was actually just sitting down in the in the Sarabat store, you know, having a, a a cup of tea, you can actually say that he he had a talent for identifying talent actually among young players. Somehow, he when he looked at a player, he sort of kind of knew that you know the player um, had something in him. And Uncle was actually a firm believer of players must have at least a little bit of innate talent. So he was just sort of able to spot these players and then, you know, I mean, get them under his wing and then teach them as much as he can about, you know, the um, football skills, how to play the game, actually.
0: Now let's turn to the iconic 1977 Malaysia Cup how did Uncle Chu become the coach for the Singapore team, and what was his coaching philosophy?
1: Well, in fact, uh, it was it was uh, Anne Ganesan, then chairman of FPS. Ganison became the chairman in I think 1975. It was actually N. Ganison, or you know Gani, as he was actually popular known um, back then, who was actually instrumental in uh, getting. Seng back as the national team coach. Seng appointment uh, as the coach was actually not a very popular one. There were many people who were actually uh, against his appointment. And so actually when he became coach, the FAS advisor back then, Trevor Hartley, um, one of the coaches, uh, Hussein Aljanit, and a trainer, Andrew Yap, decided to actually resign from the coaching panel, so in Singapore, normally what happens is um, the teams actually the the teams are actually selected by a coaching panel consisting of uh, several coaches, trainers, advisors. But what happened was eventually, Hussein Al did return to become uh, Saint assistant, and Trevor Hartley also actually returned as technical advisor. So for for Gani, he was of the view that um, the coach of the Singapore team also needed to understand the psychology and culture of the players. And in his, in his view, Sang was in fact the um, ideal person uh, having been in the football scene for 40 years actually more than 40 years. But when appointing uh, Sinqui as the coach, uh, Gani also gave the uh, assurance that if anything goes wrong, he will actually take the rap. So he sort of put his neck on the line if anything went wrong. Coming to the point Dave you asked about coaching philosophy, throughout all the interviews with Sinqui over the years, Interviews with journalists, interviews with people, one phrase actually cropped up quite frequently, and that was hard work. For Sinkui, in fact, there was no substitute for hard work. And uh, I mean, when you speak to many of the players, they can actually vouch for the intensity of his training sessions. But interestingly, Dave Sinkui actually once asked Pele, Pele, of course, the legendary. Brazilian footballer, if there was a secret to Pelé's greatness. And Pelé said, yes, sheer hard work. So, in fact, you can almost say that Sanqui was simply mimicking what other great players vouched as the key to success. And another aspect of Sanqui's game plan was discipline. Sinkwe was a firm believer of a firm believer of strict discipline, though over the years, it did not go down well in many quarters. Sinkwe, according to Sinkwe, he felt that if there was no discipline off the pitch, there will be, there will be none on the pitch. He also uh, sort of believed that it was important that players learned to obey authority behave honorably, and maintain good order. For saint he always reiterated that discipline in football is necessary if you want to achieve a good result. And of course we can see, you know, the results spoke for itself as Singapore went to regain the Malaysia Cup in 1977 after 12 long years. And also, of course, they performed extremely well in the 1977 pre-World Cup competition, making it into the final. And of course, they were actually unlucky to lose to Hong Kong by a solitary goal.
0: Now, despite his illustrious coaching career, Uncle Chu also attracted plenty of criticism. Could you share what some of these criticisms were?
1: Well, I mean, of course, Sinkui, you know, he, he achieved a great success both at international level and at club level over the years. But yeah, I mean, many, there were many actually who were not in favor of his uh, training methods. His, his detractors sort of felt that his training methods were too rigid for the players. Of course, you know, players who were only amateurs and played football in their spare time. And over the years, yeah, of course, players have complained about his almost military-like training methods. I spoke to Samsudin Ravmat. Samsudin Ravmat was a former national player, and Samsudin recalled the training routine for the Merdeka tournament in 1971. I remember this was what the Samsudin said. He said, The players had to wake up at 5.30 a.m. After waking up, they actually had to sing the national anthem. And then this was actually followed by 30 rounds around the pitch. And then they would start doing weights. And it was only around 10 a.m. that they actually had their breakfast and followed by a break. And then, according to Samsuddin, training resumed at 2 p.m. in the afternoon with some ball control exercises. And in the evening, they would actually continue with some indoor training. There were some other players also who, who didn't like the way Senkwi spoke at times. He was actually one who was not shy of using colorful language let's not go, let's not get into that <laughs> in detail but yeah i mean if he was actually uh, not happy with a per- player's performance during a game or during training he he will have no qualms about you know shouting at players using colorful words and uh, there was also some criticism that he actually interfered too much into the private lives of players. Uh, I'll give you one particular incident where apparently there was an allegation that he sort of belittled the goalkeeper Lim Chuping. This was back in the mid-70s. He actually belittled uh, Chuping for purchasing too many items on higher purchase. Whether this is true or not, I mean, we don't know. But uh, so some of them did not, like him actually getting too involved in his in their personal lives. And many coaches also felt uncomfortable having to work along Kui. Some of them were intimidated by his larger-than-life character. And in a lot of instances, it seemed that he always wanted to have things his way. And this did not please some people including you know, the governing authorities in, in the Football Association of Singapore. Singapore
0: football is now a shadow of the glory days under Uncle Chu's influence. Do you think his coaching philosophy and talent spotting approach that you discussed earlier hold any lessons for the present?
1: Well, I mean, in my personal opinion, I most certainly believe that if we had a coach today who shared the same beliefs as Uncle Chu, that coach would be successful. So we are talking about a coach who believes in hard work, a coach who believes in instilling discipline into the players, a coach who knew how to use psychology to get the best out of his players, a coach who also knew how to spot and nurture talented young footballers. These these are some of the traits of Uncle Chu that I believe can definitely benefit our national team today.